We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to uh, bring this one up. I'm going to answer ask this one right because I want to get your opinion on this. This is from ND Estimate ND Estimate Trucking. Which ND opponents will be able to give the interior of the offensive line the toughest time this season? And could you see Howard Cross being a five to seven sack guy this season? Which Notre Dame opponents will be able to give the interior of the offensive line the toughest time? So, what defensive lines could Notre Dame face that will give them issues? I I think that. I mean, the first one that pops to my mind is Clemson, right? Like Clemson is one because Clemson has Rukororo coming back. They have Tyler Davis coming back. I mean, they're going to be pretty good on the interior defensive line. I have more questions of what the defensive end position is going to be, but they even got the Woods kid, the freshman Peter Woods, who's been playing pretty well. So Clemson's got a deep interior defensive line. So we'll have that'll be a big matchup for guys like Rocco Spindler, Pat Coogan. I think Ohio State's going to be a good matchup for him as well. I mean, they have. Tyleek Williams coming back. If Tyleek is in shape and ready to go, I think Tyleek Williams has an argument for being maybe the most talented interior defensive lineman on the opponent list for Notre Dame. They also have Michael Hall, who, of course, had two sacks against Notre Dame just last year. They also have Ty Hamilton, who's a pretty solid interior player. So I think Ohio State, I think Clemson, I think Duke is another one with the two two stars that they have, Dwayne Carter and Jamion Franklin. I think that's a pretty solid duo. I'd say that the depth is maybe not as good as what the Clemson or Ohio State have interior defensive line wise, but those are two of the top teams that I think of, and I say like those are the those are the toughest matchups. It's Ohio State, I think it's Clemson as far as interior defensive linemen. Could Howard Cross be a five to seven sack guy? That's it's going to be a little bit tougher in my opinion. Like five to seven sacks playing nose is a that's a good number, man. Like that's a really good number. Because even if he's real disruptive, Ryan, what's going to happen is his disruptions are going to lead to somebody else getting a sack. He collapses yep. the pocket. Quarterback kind of evades because there's still a guy on him, and Riley Mills gets a sack. Patelho gets a sack. Linebacker yep. gets a sack. I mean, Jerry Tillery, I think the most sacks he had in a season prior to his senior year was four and a half. Well, right. he was a nose tackle his first three years. He moved to three technique in 2018. Then you started to see a little bit more production. But even then, he had four, people forget he had four sacks in one game against Stanford. 
he only had four the rest of the year. Right. The other 11 games that are 12 games that you only had four, right? It, it's, it's harder for an interior guy. That's not like an Aaron Donald type to, to rack up a lot of those numbers. I, I, and, and you and I talked about this the other day, Ryan, there's going to be a lot of dispersed sacks on this team. And if Howard cross gets to five to seven, that means this defensive line is, is even better than we think. Cause what's going to happen, Ryan is where if Howard gets to five or seven, it, it half of those won't be because he necessarily had that initial pressure. It'll be because somebody else pressured the quarterback into Howard. And then that's kind of how those numbers kind of balance out and you get that level of production. That's what comes from. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely could happen. So yeah, the the, the guys, the the nose tackles that are, because a nose tackle is a run first player all the time, right? The nose tackles that can also get sacks at a decent volume. Those are rare football players, man. Like that's like, the Vita Veas of the world in nowadays, mm-hmm. right? I think Vita Vea quietly had like eight sacks this year playing like true zero. <laughs> like that just doesn't happen. Like those guys are just extremely rare. I mean, the best in the business maybe get on the NFL level, like six to seven sacks a year playing nose. Cause it's just not an easy position to play. And you're working against double teams a lot. Like there's vi- three techs. You can a lot of times get some one-on-one matchups, nose tackles rarely ever get a one-on-one matchup. So it's just not an easy thing to get that consistent penetration. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy, with Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketplace platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. It's okay if you don't know much about marketing. Constant Contact's writing assistant tools and automation features help you craft messaging and say the right things at the right time. I use this to help write and send my email newsletters, and you should too. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. We had a question from Detroit Hunter who says, most surprising game so far this season. It's not a lot to choose from so far, Detroit. I'll say this. I was surprised at how much... I mean, you you picked Utah to win last night, but I believe you picked it to yeah. be a competitive game, right? Didn't you have like a six point game, something like that? Oh no, I had it thirty one seventeen. Thirty one seventeen. Okay, so game, then yeah. somebody else had that. I was surprised at how yeah. how dominant they were. Like that's something that surprised me. I was surprised how sure. dominant they were. 
and and you know how it just even the final score Ryan doesn't reflect like if Colorado wanted to they could have hung another at least another touchdown on them. Well, and that I, very I think much Cam Rising me. plays as well. I'm pretty sure that's a three touchdown game, probably that football yeah. game. So yeah, 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 better. I mean, I don't know other if one, games like, super surprised me. I don't no. know. Like, I mean, you UCF yeah. blew out Kent State, expected that. Wake Forest whipped sure. Elon, expected that. Um, right. You know, Western Michigan beating a one double A team. Missouri beat South Dakota convincingly. Kind of expected that. Although that's a that's a decent win for Missouri. Tulsa beat Arkansas Pine Bluff. I, here, oh, I here's got one, one, Ryan. I got one. Yeah. Yeah. I think I know what you're about to say. The pa- Pac-12 game. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Go ahead. Arizona State winning by what was it, three or four points three. against Southern Utah? Three. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Appar- and, apparently and there was like a big weather delay that like yeah, kind of made that game a like a long weird, time. Like still. Yeah. Yeah. Because prior to that, it was like 21-7 at halftime. Right. I mean, they, they they were controlling that game and then they, they got outscored 14 to it was four, uh, 14 to three in the second half after the delay. So, yeah, yeah, it it was a weird game. It was a weird game. That that was a surprising, surprising outcome. So, but it, look, they got the win. That's what matters. Yeah. Right. I mean, so, that's, someone that's, told me that Jaden Rashada looked really good in the first half and then he looked shell shocked in the second. But I didn't see much of that game. I mean, but honestly, good. with what we just talked about, that shouldn't surprise anybody. I mean, you're no. talking about a freshman that goes into this game, gets into a rhythm, and all of a sudden you get this long delay. And then that gives – because here's what what do you think's happening during that? Do you think Utah, Southern Utah's coaches are saying like, all right, guys, well, we're just going to hang out. Hey, let's pop on this uh, Minnesota, um, you know, Nebraska game. We'll watch the end of that while we're waiting on the game. No, they're out there scheming. Okay, what are they doing? What are we in, – in ways that you can't do that in the middle of a game normally, Ryan, right? And so to me, I, I kind of look at it and say – you know, this is, this is, I get it to a degree, but still the outcome surprised me. It definitely surprised me. And actually it was a lot worse than I thought last year. So that, 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 that outcome was, should have been expected. Southern, no, South Dakota. Uh, They were like three and eight last year. So Southern Utah was bad. South Dakota was three and eight last year as well. I was talking, because earlier I said the Minnesota, the Missouri win over South Dakota was impressive. South Dakota's had some good teams in the past, but they weren't very good last year. No, yeah, they were the worst of the Dakotas last year. Yeah. They were the worst one. Uh, So, I mean, other than that, Ryan, I, I, nothing really surprised me other than maybe some margin of victories. That's really it. Like, like Vanderbilt beating Hawaii, that doesn't surprise me. Like the week before, I mean, so far there haven't really, San Diego State being Ohio. You know, Jacksonville State beating UTEP. I, I mean, there hasn't really been so far to me an upset, in my opinion. There's just a couple games that were a little bit more competitive. But like even the Hawaii game, oh man, I can't believe Vanderbilt only beat Hawaii by a touchdown. Hawaii scored the last two touchdowns of the game. It was a 35 14 yeah. game in fourth in the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, so so if you're not going to play well and still beat a team by a touchdown that you were leading by 21 points, yeah, you got some stuff to clean up and after the opener, but you weren't terrible, right? I mean, you got the win. Sure. So, and no big surprises. And I don't know, Ryan, looking at the slate, I don't know that we'll have any big surprises tomorrow. You know, like here's one, here's some could potential surprises, you know, Colorado maybe is better than we think. That's one, right? Um, Fresno beating Purdue, Purdue's a three and a half point favorite. Would that be a surprise to anybody? I don't, I don't think so. Um, Other than that, I mean, Boise 
could they upset Washington? Oh, maybe. I don't, I don't, I'd be surprised by that. That'd be a big surprise to me. There aren't a whole, I mean, there's like some really good games and then a bunch of, <laughs> seriously? Okay. Like Nevada's not beating USC. Kansas State plays Southeast Missouri State. Texas A&M plays New Mexico, right? There's just not a lot of games where you're thinking, gee, this team might, like West Virginia to me has no chance against Penn State. I don't see any other games where I'm like, huh. Here, Except here, here's one. One of the teams that I like this year, but I'm a little uncertain of them, is Illinois. And they play Toledo in the opener. And that's a game I'm kind of like, okay, how's this one going to go? Right? Breaking a new quarterback and all these other kind of things. And if you look at it, I think Toledo is 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 favored by – or uh, excuse me, uh, Illinois is favored by, I believe, single digits in that game, Ryan. I just went away from that screen. Give me a second. Toledo was a pretty good team last year, man. They're yeah. Not a football team. Yeah. Illinois is a nine-and-a-half point favorite, which at home against a MAC team is – not the kind of spread you'd normally think a, an eight win big 10 team would have at home against a Mac team. Right. Sure. So that's the only one that I look at. I'm like, Hmm, that could be an interesting one, but for tomorrow games. Yeah. 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 For the whole weekend. I mean, the only other game that could maybe you, you have Duke beating Clemson, but like no matter who wins the LSU Florida state game, that's not an upset. I mean, I know one team's favorite, nah. but that's not an upset. It's a two and a half point spread. That's not an upset. On a neutral field, that's it's, it's it's not an upset. That's for betting purposes. Who's favorite? Is LSU, is LSU favorite? LSU by like two and a half. Yeah. Okay. LSU by yeah. two and a half. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, we'll see. But that's one of those ones where it's like you're just going with the higher ranked team, right? I mean, because you you know, yeah. it just that wouldn't be an upset. The only thing that would be surprised to me is if one of those two teams like blew the other one out. That would be a surprise. Right. Like if it was a lot like of stuff would be like margin of like wow. That team only won by 14. That's a surprise. They were 39-point favorites or something like that. That Those, sure. those will most likely be the surprises, except I'm telling you that one game, Toledo-Illinois, I'm curious to see how that one plays out. Very curious. Detroit Hunter says over under 0.5 scoring drives for Kenny Minchie this week. I hope it's over. I, I don't know scoring the answer. Drives, I mean, I don't... That, that kind of threw me a little bit. I just want to see him in a drive. Tomorrow. Right. Well, That's I hope he scores if he, if he gets in on one, right? Do you remember in, what was it, 20, was it 2019? Yes, 2019, like every time Phil Dracova got in the game, he took Notre Dame down on a scoring drive. Oh, it's yeah, like, he, yeah. like, I mean, just every time. And, and it was funny because it's like after one of the games, it's like we just stopped seeing Phil Dracova come in in the games. And when he did, they just let him hand it off. They wouldn't let him run the offense anymore. Yeah. And I always kind of felt like that was intentional. Clamoring for him. Yes, yes. So, I mean, that's just kind of how Kelly was. It's pretty ridiculous, but that's just kind of how he was. But I would love to see Kenny Minchie do that. That'd be great. Just come in for one drive, lead him down on a score after Steve Angeli let him down on a score or two. Like, I'd make me happy. Oh, I would love it too. You know? Yeah. Yeah, make me very happy. I would love it too. Because that would also mean if they are doing that, that means other guys are getting touches, you know, like they're throwing the ball still yep. and guys are ripping off runs and that kind of stuff. So that'd make me very happy. Maybe everybody's preseason sleeper of Jordan Faison will catch a couple passes. From there you go. We'll see what happens. There you go. John A1 with the question. What's up, John? Is this game a great opportunity for Antonio Carter III? Do you think Notre Dame actually needs to get him going this season? Be nice get him going in the rotation, Ryan? Season. What's that? Yeah. I think it'd be nice, but I, don't, I was just going to say I think I, it'd, it'd be nice, but. I think they need him. I do. I, I just, because I look at it now and I'm just like, you know, I'd hope DJ Brown would get better after it's again, it's just one game. I don't want to try to make, 
You know when you, you know when I make overreactions in one game, Ryan. I'll be honest. I make overreactions when we see something that is sort of what comfort of what we've always seen. When a guy comes into a new season and he does exactly what, like, it, let's just say, like, if Marist would have had like three missed tackles, and you know, like, oh, that, you know, there it goes, same same dude that we saw before, right? I mean, it's when you see what we've already seen. You know, I think that's when I can maybe have an overreaction. So I could be overreacting to how DJ Brown played against Navy. I, I could be. I don't think. You but are. I'm overreacting because he's a six-year senior, and this is what we've always seen from him. And I was hoping that, you know, he'd, you know he's, he's faster now. He's more athletic now. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, we'll see. Like, you don't normally see six-year seniors making those kind of jumps, but cool. Hopefully he did. And then he comes out against Navy, and it's like, yep, that's the same stuff we always saw. He got grabby when he got beaten coverage. He missed open field tackles. It's like. That's kind of who he's always been. And so you won't overreact to it. Whereas is if Xavier Watts would have made those mistakes, I'd have been more, okay, well, like he's still, you know, getting into it. Or if, if Antonio Carter would have come in and made those mistakes, I'd have a different reaction to it because, uh, you know, Hey, look, he's still learning the position and all that. But when a six year senior who's been in the rotation now, what going on like four years, three, four years is making those mistakes. It's kind of like, man, it's just kind of who he is. That might be an overreaction, and DJ may prove us wrong in the next few games, and I hope he does. But that's why my overreaction is, yeah, they need to get Antonio Carter ready to be part of the rotation. You know, is he going to start? I, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be tougher, but they've got to have more guys ready in case DJ Brown just is still who he is. And my hope is that that could be Clarence Lewis. That would be my hope. I mean, you know, if, if you don't think Antonio Carter's ready, you know, hey, keep getting Jaden Mickey and – Christian Gray ready, folks, and Chance Tucker's coming back from from an injury, and he'll he'll, he'll he should be good now. Maybe Clarence Lewis can be that guy. I don't know, but yeah. I just don't think they can go with the status quo at safety if Ramon and DJ aren't better. I just that that's yeah. that's going to be good enough to win you nine ten games. It's not going to be good enough to beat Ohio State and Clemson and do damage in the postseason, sure. in my opinion, Ryan. Did, did Antonio Carter play any special teams in the first game? I, I don't remember. Seeing I think him so. At all. He played play? defense. I saw him play defense. He had a nice tackle on the sideline. He definitely played uh, defensively. I, I can go look and, and see what his special teams numbers were, Ryan. I think Pro Football Focus might have that have that by now. Let me uh, let me see if they have those in there real quick. So Antonio Carter played four special team snaps on kick coverage. Okay. So yeah, so he was on four of the seven kickoffs. So I, what I don't know is if he started and then they put somebody else in or if he came in for somebody else. Because like only, according to Pro Football Focus, again, only six guys played on all six kickoff snaps in that game. Okay. So, yeah. And then the leader on, in, in uh, other than Spencer Schrader, the leader in snaps from a special team standpoint was Clarence Lewis with 12. Thomas Harper had 11. Jaden Mickey had 10, Xavier Watts had 10, DJ Brown had 10. Like, here's the big thing for me, Ryan. This is my overreaction. You cannot come out of a game where DJ Brown gets more snaps than anybody else in your secondary. You just can't do it. I agree. I agree. Can't do it. That's yeah. that's my we've overreaction. Seen, we've, seen, we've seen too many examples at this point, right? It's not like yeah. it's a one-game like overreaction. Yeah. Like, we saw this in 2022. And 2021, and now 2023. Like at some point, you're just kind of like, he's what he is. You know, doesn't mean yeah. that he can't be a valuable member of your team, but it, it also means that he shouldn't be a key starter 
in one of the best secondaries of college football, potentially. Like, mm-hmm. that just should not be a reality. Yep. We had Detroit Hunter says, if the, the game is in hand, do you see Spencer Schrader up for give me field goal this week so he doesn't have the miss lingering week to week? If DJ, if, 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 listen, if, if Spencer Schrader is letting that miss linger, then that's a problem that you're not fixing by a gimme against Tennessee State. He is a fifth year senior kicker who's made a lot of field goals in his career. If he's letting that miss linger, then he's not a very strong minded kid. And that doesn't change because he hits a 30 yarder against Tennessee State. Right. And, and I understand the sentiment, Detroit Hunter, is spot on. I get it. Makes sense. It, just as a football coach, Ryan, you know that's if that's lingering a week later, that's a much bigger problem than the missed field goal, right? And that doesn't go away. That's the kind of guy that's going to shrink when he's got to kick a forty-three yarder to win you a game at Ohio State against Ohio State, right? That that's a much bigger problem. So, yeah, do you do you want to get into a rhythm and, and build some confidence? Yeah, that's fine. That's a, to me that's a little bit different, Ryan. I, like like Tobias Merriweather, I want to get Tobias Merriweather going early, build that confidence up. And it's not because I think the drop is lingering in his head. If I think the drop is lingering and I got to throw him two, you know, quick, easy passes, well, shoot, we threw him a quick, easy pass last week and he dropped it, right? Like if it's lingering, that's a bigger problem. It's more about getting him into rhythm, getting the confidence in him, letting Sam get into some confidence, you know, for more of a younger player. Spencer Schrader's a fifth year guy. If if I right. was like, okay, we got to figure a way to get Matt Salerno going because his confidence in a shot, that's a much bigger problem than if, if Tobias Merriweather or or Jaden Greathouse or Rico Flores or Braylon James are having that problem, right? Sure. And that, that's kind of where I'm coming from. If Bryce McPherson got into a little bit of a, you know, a rut, I'd handle that a little bit differently because he's a you know redshirt freshman who's never, you know, punted a whole lot before. Spencer Schrader better already have that. And I think that he does. I think he'll be fine. I I I don't I, I, I'm not worried about Spencer Schrader. I'm really not. I'm not either, you know, actually. I know that's kind of weird for a kicker that we've never seen make a field goal in the uniform, but like I think at Notre Dame, sure, right, fine. right, yeah. But we've seen him on some, you know, we've seen him on some big stages before, and that's kind of where I'm coming from. You know, like when you look at last year, uh, he missed a, he had actually got blocked. He had a field goal blocked at the end of the, the Florida game last year uh, that could have actually won it, or was it tied it for Florida? I forget which one it was, but yeah, I would have tied it. He comes out the next week and makes one against Louisville, and then he made his next three in a row against Cincinnati and then Tulane, and you know what I mean. And then he missed two in a row against Houston and Temple, and then he came back out and finished season four for four. So I mean, he's had misses before. He's had to overcome those things before. Uh, he'll be he'll be he'll be okay, in my opinion. Yeah. And if he's not getting him a gimme, he's not going to help. It's just like okay, his confidence is shot. It's time to move on to somebody else. But I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be fine. Yep. We had a question from John A1 who says, is this a great game to use positional battles as motivation to create a competition at the safety and wide receiver positions? No, I don't, I don't think so. I I don't. I, I think those things are happening in the, in the practice more so than in, in a game like this, Ryan, I, you know what? I'm going to take that back. I'm going to take that back. I actually know I'm going to take that back, Ryan. I, I, I'm I going to go with John's point here because I'm sitting here thinking about production and, and production won't have an impact, but here's where it could. If you know you're going to beat a team, maybe you send a little statement. Hey, we're going to get so-and-so in the game a little bit earlier, right? And and we're going to, we're going to put Antonio Carter at safety earlier and maybe not play DJ a ton and say, Hey man, well, you know, you're a six year senior. You can't be making those kind of mistakes, right? Like kind of like what they do at Aldrich Estimate last week. 
where you know he fumbled the ball and they took him out for the rest of the half. Yeah, I like that kind of accountability. So in that regard, this could be a game for that because if you're putting a guy there that you're not sure how he's going to play, you don't do that against NC State and Ohio State and Clemson, right? But you can do that against Tennessee State, Ryan. And so, yeah, actually, John, now that I, I, my, my gut was to say no, but I actually think you're on to something. I think this could be a game where you do something like that. And it, and so it's not so much like, oh, if the, if the guy goes in there and plays great, that's a good sign. But I don't think you read too much in him playing great against a team like Tennessee State, in my opinion. Sure. So. Well, I, I think I think I think safety especially is one. I mean, you just kind of mentioned it with Antonio Carter, right, Brian? It's like if I'm in practices right now, it's like DJ. You started the last game, but like you got to fight every day to be the starter, right? Like right. we're going to give Antonio more reps. We're going to give Ramon more reps. We're going to give, you know, X, Y, and Z more reps. And we're going to see how they re- respond to that. And I think that the game was just more a, I, I don't want to say view it as a practice, but like you view it as another opportunity to compete, right? Like it's another competition for that, for that spot. So moving forward. So I think it's just an additional data point of like, if you are serious about, letting the safety position figure itself out. Let's treat this as another evaluation process. You see how they work in this, in this particular environment. Then you move forward to the next week. And then on Monday, Tuesday, that competition continues because I just don't think that anybody defensively, as far as from the safety position played well enough in week one to just be like, I'm the guy and there should be no competition at all. Like this guy should be constantly evaluated in my opinion. They should all be evaluated. So I think that that's just another evaluation opportunity tomorrow for me. Every position's different and how it's handled by the coaches. Offensively, you have a different philosophy from the coordinator compared to the other side of the ball. You have a different philosophy with position coaches. My issue, Ryan, is that it doesn't seem the last couple of years there's been the same level of accountability at safety as there has been at some other positions, like running back. Right. The way that Dylan McCullough has handled in Audric Estime, who's really good the last two years when he's fumbled, is way different than how DJ Brown has been handled at safety. That's my issue. Right. Like yep. we see these mistakes over and over, and then there's like no consequences. He still plays and he's still your most often used safety. That's my issue, right? And and so is there that same level of accountability? And and would that accountability make DJ be more locked in? I don't know the answer to that question. I really don't. I just know that they have to figure something else out. And I know the options are limited. It's Antonio Carter, maybe Thomas Harper, who's not really played a ton of safety, and then your freshman. I get that. But you you got to figure something out at, at that position. And, and And hopefully it's just DJ plays better. I hope that's what happens. I mean, that's that's the best case scenario. But again, we're talking about a six year senior. And if the if the light hasn't gone on now, I you know, you worry about whether or not it will. So, yeah, I agree. Good question, John. It, it kind of stumped me, right? Like at first I was like, no, nah, that's not. But then I was like, you know what? Like, actually, yeah, I, I get it. Look at it from a different angle. Absolutely. Yep. We had a question from DMND13. What's up, man? As Notre Dame fans, what should we root for this weekend? Opponents winning for strength of schedule. Hated teams, Michigan losing, playing poorly, ACC winning, Vols looking bad, recruiting, any other intangibles that can help Notre Dame? Well, any teams that are ranked ahead of Notre Dame in the polls or or could be in contention for that spot, you, you look, you want a little bit of chaos if you're Notre Dame. Because, Ryan, if this team is everything that you and I think it can be, there's still a chance they go 11-1, and 1, not 12-0, and 0, right? That, that sure. that's, that's the thing. Like, when in 2018 – 
once you beat Michigan in the opener, there was no other team like that on your schedule. I mean, your next best opponent was what, Syracuse? Or like once you got through that game, I mean, Stanford ended up, it was ranked high, but Stanford ended up being like a nine and five team that year. They weren't as good as people thought. Your next best opponent was Syracuse. So it's kind of like when you look at their name, they could beat Ohio State. That's like that season opening win in 2018 over Michigan. But then you got to ask yourself, who else did they need to beat? 2020 is the right. same thing. Once they beat, you know, they had Clemson. Then your next toughest game was like what at North Carolina, who lost like four games that year. Other than that, what's your next toughest game at Boston College, at Pitt? You know, where now you could beat Ohio State and you still got to beat USC. You still got to go at Clemson. And we'll find out, you know, what kind of test NC State will be and Duke will be and Louisville will be and Pitt will be and Wake, you know, Wake will be those type of teams. But it's just, it, it's going to be tough. So to answer your question, the more chaos that happens, the better. That's just, the, you know, what do you want? I want West Virginia to be, if I'm looking at this solely from a Notre Dame point of view, I want West Virginia to beat Penn State. There's no way Penn State runs the rest of the table, Ryan, if they have a loss against West Virginia. None. So, okay, that's one potential second Big Ten team that could get in, right? I mean, it's it's those kind of type of things, right? You want Florida State to beat LSU. That's definitely one. You want North Carolina to beat South Carolina. That, that because you want the ACC to be lifted up in the perception by people of how good that league is. Because then if Notre Dame handles their business against the ACC, hey, that's viewed as a pretty big win, right? So like, let's say Clemson goes 12-1 and and they win the ACC and their only loss is against an 11-1 and Notre Dame team and you dominated the ACC, but then the ACC had really good success out of conference, that boosts you up you're now considered in the eyes of the committee, most likely the de facto ACC champs because you beat the ACC champs and you dominate that league and look at the success that league had at a conference, right, man, Florida state beat LSU, North Carolina beat South Carolina, Florida state beat Florida, right. And now all of a sudden that's what helps you. So, so the ACC winning to me is definitely one Miami beat Texas A&M, all those type of those cross, you know, matchups of, against somewhat similar teams. Like I said, I'm, you can root for Georgia Tech to beat Georgia, but I'm trying to be realistic here of things that actually might happen. You know, you want Louisville to beat Kentucky at the end of the year, right? I mean, those are the things you want to see uh, from that standpoint. And and if you're a Notre Dame fan, I always want to see Michigan lose, not just because it's Michigan, but also because, as the point I made earlier, Ryan, it's that's one less Big Ten team that could potentially get in as a number two. You want the the you want the loser of the SEC title game to have two losses. Right. If you're Notre Dame, you want to lose. You want the second best team in the Big Ten to have two losses and and on and on and on. That's how I think Notre Dame fans should look at it. Uh, your own opponents, you want them to win more often than not, in my opinion. You, you don't want USC to be a three loss team. You, yeah. you know, you don't want Ohio State to be a three loss team, because then if you beat those teams and you lose to Clemson and then Clemson's 11, 12 and one and their only losses to you. And you're like, what was your big win? A three-loss Ohio State team was not that good this year. A three-four loss USC team was not that good this year. What's your win to hang your hat on? Yeah, Cle- you guys beat Clemson, but you know Clemson beat, you know that Clemson had to beat Florida State twice. You know Clemson had to beat North Carolina, who's really you know you, you know what I mean, Ryan. So like, you want your opponents to win more often than not, because if you beat them, it doesn't matter how good. I mean, if every team on your schedule only lost to you, big team on your show and lost to you, guess what? When you get down to playoff time, they're gonna look at you and say, man. You guys beat the Big Ten champs. You beat the ACC champs. You beat the Pac-12 champs. Guess what? You're yeah. You had a bad day against Duke the next week, but you're still in. That's that's what that means to me. So yeah, that, that's who I would root for. Ryan. Imagine, 
Yeah. Could you imagine so, if Michigan lost the ECU tomorrow? Oh my gosh. You know, you know <laughs> the, the narrative. Oh, you know, they didn't have Harbaugh and Sharon Moore was, you know, not in there either, and blah, 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 blah. And, and be like, dude, it's East Carolina. Right. Yeah. Mike Houston's their coach, right? The guy from JMU. He's still their coach. Is he st- yeah, I think he's still there. I think he's still yeah. there. I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. a good football coach, but he just they don't have the leadership. I mean the leadership. They don't have the 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 talent, the depth, in my opinion, to beat a team like Michigan, even without those coaches. If anything, I think have not having those coaches could galvanize Michigan a little bit in that yeah. game. I don't know. What do you what do you think? ECU about that, just right? lost ECU just lost their five year starting quarterback at Holton Allers and their best running yeah. back in Keaton Mitchell last year too. So yeah, they're not yeah. uh they're not too competitive coming back, unfortunately. Yeah. But Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Guy, a guy that was a defensive end on the first team I ever was a coach on is uh, the special teams coordinator there. So, mm-hmm. my, not the biggest my, my fan father, in the world. My, my grandfather actually played football and baseball at East Carolina. So, nice. I'll be rooting for him. But, What's funny you know. is um, that the, the East, so where I went to school uh, was uh, I went to Methodist College my freshman year of college. Right. And Greenville was considered like where a lot of people went to party on the weekends. I never made it over there. I wasn't like the parting type. I would stay in my room and watch football games and stuff. But uh, yeah, it was like a party campus back when I was in, in college. So a lot of people, a lot of people went there it is what it is. It wasn't really my cup. Tea. I did go to Raleigh a couple times to a club out in Raleigh, but that was about it. Raleigh was a lot closer than, uh, than Greenville was. It's Greenville, right? Isn't that where East Carolina is? is I think Greenville, it is, yeah, North Carolina. Sure. Yeah. I've never been there, but I think I believe so. Yeah. Yep. All right. We had a super chat from Tyler Evans. Thank you so much, Tyler. So since 2000, who is the worst quarterback to win a national championship and the best college quarterback had never won a national championship? That's well, a great I got question. I kind of got to go Jacob Coker is kind of where I'd probably go with that one. Ryan, um I thought both of LSU's starting quarterbacks were solid players, like Matt Mock won one, and then uh, who was the quarterback on the other one? Matt, Matt Flynn. Matt, Matt Flynn. Flynn. He was okay. I mean, he, I'd take him over Jacob. I'll say that Jacob Coker was great in the championship game against Clemson, but that's about it. He was just very much a don't screw it up kind of guy. You know, yeah. Greg McElroy, with all due respect, I mean, it, not that – I don't even hate using the, use the term worst because he wasn't bad. It's just they didn't need him to do a whole lot. Right. I mean, yeah. So, man, it's like, so I, I, pro- I mean, I'd probably take McElroy over Coker, but it would be a conversation you know, at least. So if you if you look at it, Ryan, I mean, since 2000, here's basically who the national championship winning teams were in 2000. It, let, me, let me give me a second here. In 2000, it was Oklahoma with Josh Heupel. OK, Josh so Heupel, yeah. he's in the conver- yeah. he's in the conversation. Ken Dorsey the next year. Yeah, Craig Krenzel. He might be in the conversation, but I like. I thought Craig Krenzel. Craig Krenzel was wasn't nice very good. He was a very yeah. Good. He was a gamer. He, he was, he was okay. Gamer. He was a good runner. Yeah, yeah, gamer. I think that's yeah. a very fair way of putting it. Yeah, and Matt. Yeah. Matt was it was Matt Mock then Matt Flynn, correct? Because I know they were correct. They were yeah. And then you had Matt Leinert in 04, Vince Young in 05. Pretty um, good. Chris Leak in 06. Then you had the other okay. LSU year. Yeah. Then, then Tim Tebow, Greg McElroy, Cam Newton, back-to-back titles for AJ McCarron, who's a good. He was a good. He's probably of the of the of the McElroy to Coker stretch before like J- 
Jalen Hurts and Tua and Mac Jones. I'd say AJ McCarron was the best of those quarterbacks that won a title. Yeah, AJ was a very good, very good college quarterback. Yeah. AJ, for sure. actually, I think yeah. I think I have my answer. Uh, Jameis Winston in thirteen, and then fourteen Cardell Jones. That's probably my answer. Ooh, ooh, uh, yeah. Ooh, Fifteen Cardell. Alabama. Yeah. We talked about that with Jacob Coker. Then it's Deshaun Watson, Jalen Hurts, Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, Mac Jones, and then Stetson Bennett. And I could I could be kind of like take some petty shots and say Stetson Bennett twenty twenty one. Yeah, but he had some nice games. Twenty twenty two version of Stetson Bennett was way better. Like he was actually pretty Agreed. good college quarterback. But okay. 2021 version was just like more of a don't screw it up kind of guy, in my opinion. But uh, I still think there's some other quarterbacks that, that weren't as good, in my opinion. Didn't Cardell have some stupid nickname? What was Cardell Jones's nickname? He had something I stupid, right? Yeah, he uh, was, it was yeah, something. But, it was something gun related, I think, if I remember correctly. I'm not I could sure. be wrong about that. But, I don't remember. Yeah. I really don't remember. Let yeah. me see if I can. Actually, I don't really actually care enough to. Be honest with you, I don't really care enough to look Archer, it up. Archer, look it up. Put it in the chat. Put it in the chat. I don't even care. Gauge. There it is. 12 Okay. Gauge. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Cardale. Yeah. So thanks for the super chat, Tyler. Appreciate that. But yeah, there, there haven't been a lot of bad quarterbacks that won title. I mean, Josh Heupel wasn't a very talented quarterback, but he was good that year. You know, he, yeah. he did what he needed to do that year. Uh, I love that little it's, running back. Was it Quentin Griffith? Wasn't that their running back? Griffin. 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 He was really yeah, good. Griffin. He was really play, good. Played for the played for the uh, Broncos for a couple of years. Quentin yeah, Griffin. he was really good yeah. in college. He was really yeah. good. Yeah, Justin Knox with the super chat. Thank you so much, Justin. How do y'all think the serious injury scare of number sixteen on NC State affects the emotionally, mentally of their squad? Move emotional mentality of their squad going forward. Does it does it rally them? I mean, it can. I, Ryan, I think sometimes that stuff can be a little bit overplayed, a, a little bit overstated. Okay. It's not that you don't care, but it doesn't make you a better football player than you were. It doesn't mean you can block someone you can't normally block. I think where it can be is, is maybe like you're a little more zoned in, you're a little more focused, you play with a little bit more intensity, you know, you rally together as a team, and it can help you maximize. The, you can become the best version of yourself. I think that's where it can have an impact. And now, but that doesn't all of a sudden mean you're you're going to be a better player than who you are. If the best you can be is right. ten and three, then you're going to be ten and three, right? I mean that it just sure. that's that's kind of what I think. It it helps you it helps you focus if you handle it right. It'll help you focus, you know. And, and again, part of it also depends on the severity of the kid's injury. But I mean. We've seen in the past where something like this happens and the team falls apart or they're just kind of still who they are. Um, yeah. I just think that stuff can get overstated a little bit, in my opinion. Like, like I've seen it also at times where it's like people – like, who was it? Um, was it in 1990 with Colorado when their quarterback was was dying of cancer? Like, that was kind of that not galvanizing point. But I'm like, look at that team, though. That team was loaded. Yeah. It, it allowed them to become the best version of themselves. It didn't make a team that would have otherwise been 8-8 eight and eight or eight and four win a title, right? That that's kind of where I'm coming from on it. But I think it can be a unifying Makes thing sense. for sure. And anytime a football team can be unified, that you're going to have a better chance of getting the best version of yourself as a team. I agree there. I agree. I think that unifying factor can really help, help to 
translate to a higher level if the leadership's good in place, right? Like if you don't have great leadership and you don't have a great culture in general, like I don't think that's going to bolster you enough to get over that hill sometimes. But if you're a talented mm-hmm. team that has really good leadership, I think that that could definitely help the morale of the team. You know, like it, it Matt, that stuff I think can be overplayed at times, but I do think there are specific instant in instances where that stuff does help to really push a team over the top because they're all united for one cause, that type of thing. Right. So mm-hmm. I don't think it's, I don't think it's a rule. I think it's more of an, the exception at this point, but it can help in certain situations. But as far as NC state, I have no idea. We'll see. I don't know. Cause every team is different. Every team is going to handle it yeah. different. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Charlie Weiss's last bell loop says, if ECU wins, my brother would lose his mind happy. He went to school there. I got to see Marcus Vick play in person when Virginia Tech played at East Carolina. Go Petey. <laughs> I mean, that'd be... Assuming? Go Petey. Yeah, that, that would be... Uh, I, I would enjoy that. I, would, yeah. I think Petey's the pirate. The, I think their mascot. I think his name oh, is, is that what it is? I could, I could be wrong on gotcha. that. Let me, let me, let me look gotcha. that up real quick. Uh, that it strikes me as as yeah, PD. It's PD, P-E, P-E-E-D-E-E, the pirate. So I think that's what that what that uh, what that means, I, I believe. So Mar- Marcus Vick right, was let- um, Marcus Vick was a very frustrating player. He was a lot more talented yeah. than what he showed during his Virginia yeah. Tech career. But I um, yeah, he he was he was uh, yeah. I'm gonna keep that to myself. He wasn't. Uh, he was a head case. He was a head case. Yeah. We'll leave it. We'll leave yeah. That. Yeah. 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 That's a. That's a really. That's about the nicest way I could put it. So we'll, we'll just. We'll just let. We'll go with what Ryan said. <laughs> and yet he still got a chance on the Miami Dolphins for whatever. Because it was so, what his yeah. last name was. I, I agree. John A. One says going into Week One weekend, us there over. Is there already a coach on the hot seats? I mean, I think Billy Napier's seat. I don't know that I would say he's on the hot seat, Ryan, but it's certainly heating up. 
It's getting I mean, warmer. Yeah, it's getting warmer. Yeah. Agreed. It's definitely getting warmer. Uh, not a lot of other teams have really played so far, right? right. I mean, and as we've said, there weren't really any upsets. So I can't really say that anybody else is that I can think of is is kind of on the hot seat because of week one, because of what's happened so far. What are some coaches that are kind of on the hot seat heading into the season? Right. There's some of those. Right. I mean, there's there's certainly some of those. We've talked about that a little bit uh, this offseason to me, Ryan. I think Jeff Halfley at BC to me enters this season on the hot seat. For me, he is. I think he has to be. Um uh, Tony Elliott, if they're as bad as they were last year, he could be in. He could be in some trouble. Do you agree with that? Um, I never would have hired Tony Elliott. So yes, yeah. I agree hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, I'll say this: I don't know that he'll be on the hot seat because of because of what he means to the program. But if North Carolina falters this year, you kind of got to wonder: like, does Mac still have the magic left? Right? If you couldn't be a ten win team with a guy like Drake May, you got to start to say: is this just kind of you know, is just kind of who we are now? I think that's a fair one. And and here's one that's going to surprise you, Ryan. And I think you you might disagree with me on this one a little bit, but here's someone who to me is not on the hot seat, but if, if it was up to me, it'd be a little warmer than maybe people give it credit for. And that's Matt Campbell. The, the, the manner in which they failed to capitalize on that 2021 team that had Brock Purdy and Charlie was a quarter, the tight ends, Kohler. Name, Charlie Kohler. Kohler. And Bryce yeah. and uh, Brees Hall, and they went seven and six that year, and then to completely collapse last year and go four and eight, plus all the stuff that's going on with the gambling stuff, the off the field stuff. Not that it's his fault, but like, dude, you're in control of this program, right? I mean, to me, all those things kind of add up to all of a sudden you're like, is this dude who we all thought was a great coach a couple of years ago a little bit on the hot seat? I think he kind of is going into the season. You got to show me some growth. You got to show me some bounce back a little bit. Because I because it's not just the the seven and six and the four and eight Ryan, it's that plus the major black eye that you just got with your program because of this gambling stuff that's going on with their football team. That's a guy that to me, uh, as before I go on to others, what's your what are your thoughts on that, Ryan? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just don't. Th- I don't disagree necessarily with your assessment. I just think that he's a little bit longer of a leash just because Iowa State's not a traditionally really good football yeah. team, right? So they still have been more successful with him than they have throughout sure. the entirety I mean, of their program. They had a nine-win yeah. season in 2020. My, my thing, though, is yeah. it's because of the off-the-field stuff combined right. with that. If it was just the four and eight, seven and six and four and eight, because at a place like Iowa State, you're going to have ups and downs at a place like that. You just are not going to be able to sustain nine, eight, nine, eight, nine every year at a place like that in a league that that is also goes up and down where some years it's really good. But you can't do that when one of those years you wasted arguably your uh, one of your best rosters. You underachieved in 2021. I don't I don't think that's debatable. You had Brees Hall, Brock Purdy, Charlie Kohler. I mean, you had the defensive end who just got drafted. You had a, another really good linebacker on that team. Like they wasted some talent that year. And then with the off the field stuff, I think that's a tough one. And then another one in the Big 12 for me, Ryan, is Neil Brown. Neil Brown to me oh, is Neil definitely should be gone on too. the hot seat. Yeah. 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 Tom in the Big Ten, Tom Allen, it, it, to me should should be on the hot seat. Uh, can, can I say in the Big Twelve, like if Sarkeesian has another down year That's as far one. as like not achieving his talent, like yeah. at some point you got to be like gets on it. Maybe it's, but he's not there yeah. yet. Yeah, he's not there yeah. yet to me. Oh, yeah, no, I'm uh, not I think, saying fire him if it's a down year, yeah. but like if it, it's yeah. starting to get trend to that direction, sure. if they're, if they're like eight and five again on this roster, nine and that. four, 
Yeah, I, I, I get that. He's not there now. Neil Brown's there now for me. Tom Allen is there now for me. Mel Tucker's not on it right now because I think he does get a little bit of benefit of the doubt of how good they were a couple years ago. And because you're, you're dealing with the realities of the transfer portal and, and different realities involved that. But if he struggles again this year, and, and there's a question about that, he may be, he may get put on that too, because now all of a sudden that one year becomes an anomaly. And sure. because he wasn't that good at Colorado and then he would have struggled ever since then. I'm curious how Michigan state's going to handle that one. I'm not sure, saying that I, that's what should happen. But I think that could that could be we could be having that conversation. And then the Pac-12, Ryan, it's kind of hard to be on the hot seat when you have had so much coaching turnover the last two. I mean, think about it. Arizona State has a new coach. USC's coaches in year two. Arizona's coaches in what year three? But he just had a really nice turnaround. Uh, Colorado year one. Oregon year two. Oregon State's doing great. Stanford's year one. Chip Kelly's doing really well. Kalen DeBoer's in year two. Washington State's coaches in year two. And and then the long-term guys are in good position. I'd say the only guy that could maybe be in trouble if they struggle this year is Justin Wilcox. But, I mean, I, it's kind of like I don't blame him for Cal's problems. Cal's problems are are institutional, and the football program is suffering because of it, in my view. I, sure. I don't – but but that doesn't mean that – look, somebody's going to have to be the scapegoat, right? And, and usually it's the head football coach. Uh, SEC-wise, anybody that's really on – I don't – you know, Billy Napier we talked about – Anybody in the right. West? I mean, again, a bunch of new coaches. A and M's Jimbo, but you know, you got your issues with him. Lane's not on the hot I, seat. I, I think Jimbo, Jimbo's going to get clear. Jimbo's going to get clearer this year because the buyout apparently is like manageable after this season. So okay, yeah. So this is yeah. his last gonna, year. Where he's going to get gonna, past okay. this year. Okay. Yeah, I, I, and Jimbo L- strikes me as a guy that's going to get through this year, and then somewhere through the mid twenty twenty four season, they're like, all right, this is enough. Yeah. Now we can actually so not hot seat yet, but after this year. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. the rest of the West, right? I mean, Saban's not on it. I think Sam Pittman's done a nice job at Arkansas, although that's a fan base that has a little bit of an unrealistic view of itself. Auburn's got a new coach. Kelly's not on the hot seat. Mississippi State sure. has a new coach, and Lane Kiffin's not on the hot seat. So there's some. There's not a ton. I think it's going to be interesting is let's have let's ask this question of week six. Who are the coaches on the hot seat right. after week six? There's going to be that that could be a very interesting story. Very interesting story. We had a question from Detroit Hunter. Says, is it just me or does this team show a maturity and confidence we haven't seen since 2012? I, you know what, Ryan? I kind of like this comment from Detroit Hunter because I'm, I'm the, this team has no resemblance to the 2012 team structurally. Different systems, different type of offenses. They're built differently. But I think this comparison right here, at least what we saw in fall camp, and the opener is one I really like. Yes, they're different defense, and they're made up of different players, and their strengths are at different positions and all that kind of stuff. They don't have a lot of similarities in how this program is built. But I really like how this team, to your point, is a very mature, confident team. Uh, 2015 is probably the closest I've seen to it that team went into 2015 very confident. I don't know if like the maturity of that team it's hard to gauge because we only really saw that team play like a game, not even a game where all your veterans were there. I mean, you lost Torian Folson in game you you, you lost Jerron Jones in fall camp. You lost Sean Crawford in fall camp, although he's a freshman, but he's going to start at nickel. 
you lost Torian Folson, who was going to be your leading rusher in game two, or I mean, carry two. You lost a veteran tight end in Durham Smythe. Well, veteran, he was a starter. He wasn't, he was a junior. You lost Durham Smythe in game two. I mean, you had some some pretty key injuries. I don't know if we ever got to see that team at its peak from a maturity and confidence standpoint, but that that team was that team played with a lot of confidence in 2015, a lot of confidence. And a lot of that had to do with the leadership that was established by Malik and Jalen Smith and some of those older players in the offseason that was able to kind of continue even after Malik got hurt. Uh, but that team was very confident. Was it a mature team? I don't know that I could. There was so much going on with that team behind the scenes from a coaching standpoint, some other things. It's really hard to, to gauge what the maturity level was. It was a very talented team and a very confident team. That I can say for sure. The maturity, I'm, I'm a little bit more uncertain of. Not that it wasn't mature. I just don't know that I know that team well enough to be able to say it. The 2012 team, and again, I wasn't covering the team that year, but I still talked to some people around the program, and that team was a very mature team, very confident team. There's no doubt about it. So that's a, that's a good one. Uh, I like that one, John. Or, I mean, uh, Detroit Hunter. I like that one a lot. Of, a lot. John A1 asks, is it possible that the play of Jaden Mickey, Christian Gray, and Clarence Lewis has given the staff the confidence to move Thomas Harper to safety full-time? I, I guess it could, but honestly, I don't know – Honestly, John, that 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 would make a lot of sense to me because I don't think Thomas Harper's best position is safety. I think Thomas, I, I, I believe that Thomas Harper's best position is the nickel spot. I think that's where Thomas Harper is best is at nickel. If anything, you're going to look Christian Gray and Jaden Mickey aren't getting reps in the nickel. They're, they're outside corners. Clarence Lewis is getting reps in the nickel, but to me, honestly, if it came down to it, let's say that Notre Dame is in a position where they, like, we got to move somebody to safety. We, we have to. What I would say, Ryan, is I'm not moving a Chance Tucker. I'm not moving a Ryan Barnes. I'm not moving some young guy that really hasn't played a lot of football. If I'm going to move someone from corner to safety in the middle of the season, once the season's already started, it's going to be a veteran. Thomas Harper is an option. But I still think Clarence Lewis makes the most sense because I think Thomas Harper's the better nickel. I think Thomas Harper's a better nickel than Clarence Lewis. I think Clarence Lewis can really help this football team. And I think Clarence Lewis's best position is still safety as a cover safety. I still think that's his best position, ultimately, especially if he's going to go to the NFL. So I would say the emergence of Jade Mickey and Christian Gray should help them, should, should have them consider moving Clarence Lewis to be more of a hybrid nickel safety. That's what I would strongly consider. And I know I've been beating that drum for a while, but I mean, Christian Gray's had a great fall camp. He's healthy. I would strongly consider it. I really would. And and I would do yeah. that before I would consider moving Thomas Harper, to be honest with you. What do you think, Ryan? Do, do you like Jaden Mickey in the nickel or not as much? No, no, not right now. Cause he just hasn't practiced it. I mean, I think Jaden Mickey okay. could do it, but I'm not going to move a guy that they, you haven't given any reps in the nickel in the middle of a season to, to play that. Sure. I, my thing sure. is with Thomas Harper to nickel, Clarence can be that swing guy at that position. Clarence can still play nickel, but also can also help you at safety. And that's how you get Clarence's reps up to where he can really help you. And you're putting him in positions where his game is best, best utilized. Cause I've said this before. I like Clarence Lewis as a football player. I even think there are some defenses where he could play corner. Clark Lee's defense allowed him to play corner. He looked solid as a freshman at corner, but it was a completely different coverage structure. Right. So to me, 
when I look at Clarence Lewis, he's a zone corner on a team that doesn't play a lot of zone at corner, where his skill set to me would be utilized at a position like safety much better. And I think he could be a really good player there. Like, I don't want to move Clarence just to solidify safety. I, I could be dead wrong on this, Ryan. But the reason I've been pounding my fist on the table to get Clarence Lewis to safety is because I think he could actually be pretty good there. Like right. starting caliber player there. I could be wrong on that, but that's what I think his skill set translates best to. And this is a kid that's played a lot of football and it's had some good moments. I just think he's miscast in this system as a corner. That, that's that's the reason I want to move him. But as a safety, Ryan, he can still do a lot of nickels. There's a lot more carryover the way that Notre Dame plays coverage. There's a lot of carryover between the safety and the nickel position, especially for a guy who has played corner, right? It'd be a little harder for a guy that maybe hasn't played that coverage type of look a lot. Like I wouldn't want to, uh, you know, like Antonio Carter maybe might be a guy that I would put in there because he's played some corner. He knows how to flip his hips and do all that. I don't know that I'd put Xavier Watts there. I don't know that I'd put, you know, uh, some other guys. I wouldn't put Ben Minich there. I wouldn't Minnick there. I wouldn't put Adon Schuler there because those are guys that don't have that outside experience where Clarence does, Antonio Carter does, Ramon Henderson does. I wouldn't put Ramon there because I just don't trust him enough on the second level. But I really think Clarence Lewis could be that guy that could could really solidify both of those positions from a depth standpoint and potentially be a starter at the safety position. Yeah. What what what's your what's your thoughts I, on that, Ryan? I, th- I think it's possible. I mean, I think I think Lewis and Harper are the two guys that make the most sense as far as being kind of that interchangeable nickel to safety type of player. I personally don't like moving a guy that's only has one year left as well of Thomas Harper, right? Like this is his lone year. Right. Clarence Lewis, if you make that move during the season, he can come back for 2024 if you wanted him to, right? As, as a fifth year guy. So I think that the option is definitely on the table. I I really hope, Brian, because like you have been talking about this for a while and it's a move that has seemed to make sense. I really hope that we don't get to a point where it's like Notre Dame just dropped the ball with the safety position because they were just like, no, we're fine. We're fine. Keep Clarence out there. And then it's eventually like, you're not fine. <laughs> You're not fine. Like it's a, it's actually a, a big negative of the defense right now. So I something I want to say something has to happen, but clarity needs to be gained in the safety position yes. soon. Either you need to understand that like, oh, DJ's getting better. Cool. We're we're okay right. here. Or it's like he's not, and you need to make a decision here, right? To bolster your team, or else it's going to because you do have a surplus of good corners at this point. I mean, yes, you have your two outside corners, you have Christian Gray, you have Clarence Lewis as a fourth corner. That's fantastic. Like that's an ad, ad, fantastic fifth corner. Fourth. Fifth yeah, corner. Jane Mickey, too. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. So you mean yeah. I mean, when's the last time Notre Dame's been five cornerbacks deep of guys that could start and could right. play a guy that started for you in the college football playoff is your fifth corner right now. Right. I mean, come on, man. And you're wasting uh, this, um, that experience ex- as a fifth, fifth stringer. So. Yeah. There was a uh, exchange in the chat when we were okay. talking about worst quarterbacks to win it. I just had to bring this up because this is just hilarious. Different aisle says, Brian, just because you say with all due respect, it doesn't mean you can say whatever you want. Poor Greg McElroy. And then I love Raymond Harden's response. <laughs> it sure as heck does. <laughs> Another very great quotable movie for those who haven't seen it. That would be Talladega Night. So it was it was kind of funny. Uh, Ryan, when I was at camp this summer, I was talking to a, a, a guy that I've gotten to know a little bit the last couple of years. And he said something to me, like just kind of bust my chops. And I turned around and I said, you shut your mouth when you're talking to me. And another <laughs> yeah. beat writer there's like, that doesn't make any sense. And I was like, <laughs> we just both are like, cause he had never seen wedding crashers. Oh, so he no. was like, what are you talking about? 
shut your mouth. He goes, how is someone supposed to shut their mouth when they're talking? He's like, first of all, I wasn't talking to you. Mind your business. I'm just joking. I, didn't say that. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I was like, no, it's a movie. It's from a movie, but yeah, very cool. Two of my like Friday, uh, Talladega Nights, um, Wedding Crashers. I like Step and Dumb and Dumber. Step Brothers and is a good quotable movie. What, which one? Step Brothers. That's a very quotable. Step movie Brothers. As well. Yeah, I'll put. I mean, it's cool. I think it's a stupid movie, but it's very quotable. Oh, and then Anchor. Step and then Brothers. Anchorman. Anchorman's another one. Those are probably my favorite quotable movies. Oh, you know another one that I used to quote a lot, but not as much anymore. Old school. Do you ever see Old School? I have. That's a. Yep. I love that movie. Love that movie. I don't the, quote the, it as much first, as I used to. First two Rush Hour movies are very quotable as well, although I wouldn't say most of those things out loud. But yes, the, the movie. The, yeah, that's true. The movie I quote the most when I'm when I'm messing around with my dad is actually Harlem Nights. The reason I don't quote that one as much because not as many people I know have seen that one. Sure. But that is a very funny movie that my dad and I are always kind of we we watched tried to watch it one time on like TBS. Yeah. I was like, this is not a movie to be on TV. Like this yes. because like everything funny about Harlem Nights is like kind of blanked out or edited out from and when it's on normal yeah. TV. And I was like, no, nah, this is lame. That's I'm that's the same thing about the rush hour movies, man. Yes. That's, rush yes. hour is so funny though. Not oh, as man. funny. Money Billy talks. Dallas. You ever seen Money what Talks? Do you think kidnapped kidnapped yeah. Chelsea Clinton? Yeah. <laughs> you ever see the outtakes? He's messing yes. up her name. Yes. <laughs> Chelsea Carter? No, Chelsea, Chelsea. Carter. Uh, another Chris Tucker movie that's really quotable. Have you ever seen Money Talks? No. With Charlie no. Sheen? I think you, mm-hmm. if you liked Rush Hour, I think you'd like Money Talks. Oh, it's I love really Rush funny. Hour. It's yeah. really funny. Uh, yeah. What, whatever yeah. happened to Chris Tucker, man? He was so funny. Whatever happened to that guy? Well, he became a Christian. He doesn't do that same oh, kind really? of comedy before. Yeah. So he doesn't, he doesn't, use that kind of language anymore it's just he's huh. he's uh yeah you because know, like i i remember here first time i heard chris tucker was like back in the day on hbo on def Gef comedy jam like he was one of the regulars like him and bernie mack were like two guys that you'd see a lot on def comedy jam and then it, that led into him getting some uh one of his favorite skits or my favorite skits of him is he's talking about like he's like you know whatever happened to pimps he starts talking about what if michael jackson was a pimp you gotta look it up on youtube brian it is hilarious but uh yeah, I mean, he he just he became Christian and he just doesn't kind of really do that that kind man, of he, comedy he as much anymore. So funny, man! Yeah, I love hilarious. Chris Tucker. He's so yeah. funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is. Uh, very when, funny. In Rush Hour Two, when he starts singing the Michael Jackson song, yes, <laughs> You're coming up on the, the <laughs> messing up a classic, ruining the classic. <laughs> He's like, what the heck is this? <laughs> he actually got on stage with with Michael Jackson once. Did he? Yeah. It was pretty, pretty, because he would always do that Michael Jackson impersonation, but he, he, he always did it like in, in good fun, like a good spirit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, well, in rush hour one, he did Michael Jackson at the very beginning. Remember when he blows the car oh, up yeah. and yeah. he's like, yeah. yeah. So he's got a lot of respect for him, but yeah, Mon- money talks is one of my, uh, is another really good quotable movie that you'd have. And of course, none of them I can say them now, Sure, but yeah. Uh, somebody, somebody just said that Bernie Mac's on his fair comedians, uh, Bernie Mac, Bernie Mac, Steve Harvey, and Cedric entered. I'm not a big deal Hughley fan, but they, you ever watch the original Kings of Comedy thing? Yeah. Yep. Bernie Mac's like Steve Harvey was funny in that, and Cedric Entertainer was funny in that. And I'm not about to call another another dude delicious, but Bernie Mac's like the the routine he did for that was one of the to me the best standups I've ever seen. It was great. You know, it's funny, you know, that my, the, I didn't find this out till I was a little bit older, but my mom, when she, she was younger, she would actually had a bunch of uh, back comedy albums she used to be on, on 45s. Really? But she had like a bunch of Red Fox comedy albums. 
that's one of the dirtiest comedians <laughs> like language wise i'm like mom really like did you did you judge your mom after you saw that You're like really? no because wow. my mom uh if i if i finish that statement i'm gonna be in big big trouble let's just say <laughs> the way that i talked as a coach i did not learn from my father i'll just yeah. leave it at that because yeah. i want my mom to love me tomorrow so yeah somebody yes. said bill burr is amazing bill burr is also incredibly hilarious so, all right, yeah. he Bernie Mac, by the way. He's been gone a long time now. Yeah, Bernie I Mac. know. Yeah. Somebody say, you want some milk and cookies? <laughs> <laughs> Walk your little bugger. <laughs> That's a great skit. Great skit. Oh, I'm going to have to watch those afterwards. Let's get back on track. We got a lot of questions still left. John A1, what do you hope to see this week for Drake Bowen, Brennan Vernon, Braylon James, Tyson Ford, same discipline as the starters or flash of dominant potential big plays i mean obviously you'd like to see both right but i think that what's going to get them playing time is sort of the the flash to be honest with you yes that's gonna, I agree. That's I gonna agree. sound the opposite of what me you know no being disciplined no if, if you're just disciplined but not making plays they're just going to play the older guys that are already disciplined and also a coach will 100 percent want to work with the flash more than he does with just the consistency and doesn't have any big play ability right if i see if i see a kid a young kid i'm like that kid is stupid talented. I want to work with that kid, right? Like, I don't want to work with the kid that's not talented, who just does everything I tell him perfectly. Like, I want to talk, I want to work with the kid that has big time potential. So, yeah, I want to see if Drake Bowen plays, I want to see him just shoot a gap and have a big tackle for loss. I want to see Brennan Vernon let loose. I want to see Braylon James try to take the top off a of defense. I want to see Tyson Ford hit an inside move and, and have a quarterback pressure. I want to see those types of guys show me flash plays because if I'm a coach, that's what gets me excited. I want to work yeah. with that talent, that type yeah. of talent. Yeah, agree. Uh, that may sound – I would imagine some people thought maybe we might go the opposite, but – yeah. Yeah, I'm 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 on the ladder on that one, Ryan. Absolutely. Uh, upside always gets you more excited than just like the floor. It's right? got to like be an impressive flash, great. though, right? Like, what's yes. not a flash uh, is the guard doesn't block you and you go in for a sack. That that's <laughs> right. That's not a flash, right? It, right. It's it's what it is is you just destroyed that guard and on two plays and you're like, oh, this guy. This, yeah. Let's get this guy ready to go. That exact. it's 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 the Jordan Batelho quarterback hit last week where he completely runs outside track yeah. and bench. You're like, oh, okay, yes. I can work with that, well, sir. It, let's say Braylon James gets in the game and just smokes a dude by six yards on a post route for a touchdown. You're like, hey, look, guys, I know that he doesn't know this and can't do that, and do, but you all saw that, right? Like, yes. we we got to find a way to get that guy on the field some way somehow, right? Like, those are the type of things that you see from those younger guys that are like, yeah, we got to figure something out with that kid. That kid's just too. That gets too good not to find a home, right? I mean, that's yeah, that's really right. I would agree. Next, another one from John. Oh, I'm one. sorry, John. It's all good. I, I brought it up, and then we kind of kept talking I, I, about the previous one. That's my bad. I, I saw John's name bad. again. I'm just like, oh, I think we're yeah. still in the same one. Uh, what that's package would you try to build as an offensive coordinator to get Braylon James on the field in important moments with Chris Tyree and Tobias Merriweather? I, I don't know that right now I would be focused on trying to build that right now. Uh, I mean, just because you you have so many other really good veteran, you have Jaden Thomas, you have Deion Colsey, you have guys that are that are a little older, a little stronger, been in the system. I I don't know that I would force Braylon onto the field. And the way, like in the past, Ryan, I would call for receivers to be forced onto the field because there was such a difference in talent between that young player and what was on the field. Sure. Right. Like in 2017, I'm like, why is Chase Claypool and Miles Boykin on the bench? And you're trotting out Freddie Canteen and Cameron Smith and Chris Fink. I don't understand this. 
Like right. Braylon is incredibly gifted athletically, but I don't know that it's like such a degree that's like, why is Deion Colsey and Jaden Thomas on the field? Like those guys are pretty talented too. For, former four-star recruits. Right. Like, yeah, who are, exactly. You yeah. know, so yeah. it's a, to me, Braylon's in a unique situation where he's got to show me something first. And that's why I kind of brought up earlier, like if Braylon gets in the game this weekend against Tennessee State and just runs by dudes and you're just like, guys, come on. Like I know he's not where these guys are strength-wise or known the offense-wise, but come on. There's a lot of teams that we're going to play that he's, he can run by. You know what I mean? Like that, that's kind of where I would be. John is, is now if there's like an injury on the outside, like, you know, heaven forbid, one of those guys we mentioned goes down, then you may have to force that. But I just don't know that you're in a position, right? Like right now I would say, Hey, how can we figure out ways to get Jaden Greathouse on the field with those two guys at the same time? Right. Right. Like, can we put Jaden in the boundary as a rotation guy? Can we put Jaden to the field? Uh, you know, I mean, I would be more worried about that right now. Braylon's time will come if he keeps working. His time will come. Sure. He just needs sure. to be patient. And when those opportunities do present themselves, go make plays. But I just, you know, I, I think right now it's like keep keep building up what you're building up with the guys that have, have are in those spots already. It's great that we have to have these types of conversations, though, because it's yes. like this roster has just taken such a maturation over the last couple Two of years. Two years ago, we're having talent. a completely different conversation, Ryan. We're like oh, you guys yeah, got to find ways to get Braylon James on the field, man. I was going to say we're, we're 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 trying to we're trying to like campaign for him to start at some point in the season. Yes, like a couple years ago. Yes. like get this yes. guy on the field. Hundred percent. Exactly. Hundred percent. You're like, dude, it, you guys are wasting this kid's talent and speed and ability. Like, and and the guys you're put on the field, like seriously, like no, it, that's not the case now. It's not with right. Tobias and the freshman, the other freshman, and then now that Dion and Jaden are older, you moved Chris Tyree. I just don't see that same need right now with him. Agreed. Yeah, Coleman oh, Smith. Uh, let me say that yeah. I'm, you, you nailed it, though, Ryan. Like how quickly this has changed. Yes. Like a year ago, actually, Especially if Braylon was a freshman a year yeah. ago, I'd be saying the same thing about him that we said about Tobias. You got to right. get that kid on the field some way, somehow. He can at least run a go route. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. but just how quickly this thing changed. Now that Dion and Jaden are older, you move Chris Tyree. Tobias is a year older, and then you've got Jaden and Rico who are just more advanced at this age of their careers. It okay. changed quick. Quick. I mean, we even forget Caleb Smith came to Notre Dame this spring. He was an honorable mention all ACC kid last year and got beat out before he ended up leaving. You know what I mean? It's just like, you know, they're going to be all right. And it's not slowing down with guys like Cam Williams and Micah Gilbert and Logan Saldate coming in. So it's not slowing down, man. Nope. Coleman Smith's question. The Minnesota-Nebraska game was epic. Ryan, I'm sorry, but Brian is more right on Jeff Sims. You can't make that throw across the middle with the safety staring at you. There's a lot of throws he made like that. Now, and yeah. Ryan has kind of gone, come off the Jeff Sims bandwagon, I believe, during last season. You're well, I, was kind not, of, I was never – I would also like to say this, Coleman. I never once said that Jeff Sims is a great football player. I think he's a really good talent, right? Yeah. And I think that that could be harbored. But, like, unfortunately – he was in a really bad situation at Georgia Tech, and Nebraska's in an upstart. I don't know if the yeah. windows are going to match up with him reaching yeah. his potential. Like, I just don't know if it's going to happen. I've never been high on him. I've never – I always thought, yeah, very live arm. But, look, we all like we all make those mistakes, right? I thought Graham Mertz was going to be a lot better, and maybe he still gets better in that system. But after last night, she's like, that's the same dude we saw at Wisconsin. You know, like, doesn't understand touch, doesn't understand ball placement, or at least he can't do it. Still late with reads. You know, so yeah. we'll see if he gets better, but that yeah, that's a that's a position that they're gonna have to figure out real quick. Yeah. And DJ Lagway is a very talented kid, Ryan, but he's not a guy to me that's like a day one freshman starter at nah. Florida either. 
I don't, I just you're you're gonna not not with a coach that might be on the hot seat. Yeah, like he's gonna take his lumps as a freshman. Yeah, you know? like, I, yeah. I feel like him a little bit similarly. Not the same player. They're different, but like Jaden Rashad is gonna be this year for Arizona State. Yeah. With like a lot of ups, a lot of downs, but you got to kind of yep. ride the wave. Yep. You know what I mean? And like, you can do that when you're in year one, Ryan. Like Kenny Dillingham <laughs> is. You can't do that when you're already on the hot seat, like Billy Napier already yeah. is. Because you because you care a lot more about year two, year three than yeah. you do about year one. Now, if Florida rebounds and ends up like nine and three. And then there might be a way that you could kind of spin that. Like, look, we just got to get this kid ready to play and whatever. Yeah. But no, I, I don't see that the way that they play. They'd have to get a lot better, a lot better than they were last night to be a nine win team. Right. Like, Cause you talked a really good team, but like, I mean, they play in the sec. So like they're going to be playing some good teams. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. yeah. Well, I mean, just, and you look at their, I mean, they've also got to still play Florida state at a conference. Yep. I mean, so Florida, Florida, the rest of the way, they got McNeese state this weekend. Okay, they'll be one and one. But then they got Tennessee. Then they got Charlotte. So at best, you're what, two and two at best? Then you're playing at Kentucky. Your home against Vanderbilt. I may say that should be a game you want. They, Vanderbilt convincingly beat you last year. I know the score was somewhat close, but Vanderbilt was the better team that day. You got to play at South Carolina, home against Georgia, home against Arkansas, at LSU, at Missouri, home against Florida State. Honestly, right now, Florida's battling to get into a bowl game at this oh, yeah, point in time, right? Hundred percent. They're going to battle to get a to a to get eligible at six and six for a bowl game. Yep. Oh, if that's they if they go eight, if they go eight and four, like I think that's actually a really good coaching job by Billy Napier. I don't yeah. think this roster is great. I yeah. just really don't. Well, I it's kind of like what I've said about Deion Sanders. Like if if people are like, oh, they may win eight night. guys. If Deion Sanders leads Colorado five and seven, he that's should be really in the conversation dumb. for Pac twelve Coach of the Year. Like I know they added some tra- that is not a good roster even with the transfers. Now That's it's a better a roster than what it was was last year. If he if he does, if he goes four and eight, it might have been a great coaching job. Honestly, it's a good like, that's a good uh, coaching job for sure. Yeah. But yeah. anything I mean, if he takes them to a bowl game this year, that's a great coaching job. In that my team opinion. led up over forty points per game last year and scored less than twenty points a game. Like it was a terrible <sighs> team, guys. An Ryan, we, terrible we team. talked about this. I'm going to say it again. This is this is the scores of the games Colorado played in last year. Okay, it, it they were awful. They lost to TCU by 25. They lost to Air Force by 31. They lost to Minnesota by 42. UCLA by 28. Arizona by 23. Oregon by 33. Arizona State by 8. And as I pointed out yesterday, Colorado scored late in that game to make it 8. 39 to Oregon. 38 to USC. 47 to Washington, 42 to Utah. That was the margin of not not the points they gave up. The that margin. was the margin of victory. Or in their case, the margin of defeat than last year. They got outscored last year, Ryan, 15.4 to 44.5. Right. That is awful. That's terrible. Like what one, one of the worst teams I've ever seen from a power yes. team. It's awful. Yes. Terrible. It is. It, it they were as they were as bad last year as Kansas was in 2020, if not worse, because at least Kansas had the excuse of the COVID offseason, jacked everything up. But they were awful last year, and you can't fix that entirely in one offseason. You can't. And and it should never be. You should ne- Colorado should never be in a position where they have a roster as bad as Kansas, right? Like nope. ever. Nope. <laughs> 
Nope. Unlike Kansas, Colorado has actually been a really good football team in the yes. history of college football. So, yeah. And, and not that long ago, they were in the Pac 12 title game in 2016. Seppo Loifal. Yeah, yeah. 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 I know. 